Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Talking Games with Kelly and Andrew. I'm Andrew. And I'm Kelly. And this is the episode you've been waiting for. The biggest game has released. Kelly, what's that game? Tricky Towers. Oh, that's a call forward. People are going to be like, what's that even mean? I don't get the joke. <laughs> Do you want to know why oh. I said, hey, Kelly, what came out? What? I couldn't why? think of anything funny. <laughs> oh, really? And I really needed you to, to carry that one for me. Oh, uh, you're welcome. Thank you. The Bat... Well, actually, yeah. The Batman. That's my That's favorite video game. game. Um, We should bring back licensed video games. video Movie video games. For the Batman? I would the like Batman. to parade around, yeah, as Robert Pattinson's Batman and be brooding and mysterious and dark and also pal around with Zoe Kravitz. Um, Zoe, if you're listening, I'm a big fan of your work. I loved you in Big Little Lies. I also love you personally. Um, I know you don't know me, but uh, um, anyway, so, yeah. <clears throat> what came out this week, Andrew? This feels like a tangent. Well, we'll talk about that later. I just, I'll let you, I'll let your joke kind of ruminate for a bit while we talk about the news. Oh, okay, great. Uh, so our, our favorite guy here at the podcast is Bobby Kotick, current CEO of Activision Blizzard. You're a big fan of him, right, Kelly? Yeah, yeah. Love his work. Love everything that he does. He's um, just a, a stalwart symbol of everything good about the gaming industry. Yeah. In all seriousness, he's a, he's a, a scumbag, and we don't like him. And he definitely fosters a toxic environment at Activision, but he was offered a $15 million bonus if he can, quote, fix, unquote, Activision's work culture before the finalization of the Microsoft acquisition. So, you know, exactly what we need. More money in the pockets of, of Bobby. Bobbert. Bobbert. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Why does he, why is he Bobby? That's a dumb name for him. <laughs> Stupid. That's a great Don't question. Like you know what a question when well, you know what I'm always wondering? What? Is that imagine that you're so bad at your job, just like fundamentally don't know what you're doing and also a bad person and instead of getting fired, they're like they give you um a bunch of millions of dollars to undo the bad that you've done yeah to do what should just be the default of your job yeah i mean i, I would love to be in that position um for every time that i mess up at work they offer me a million dollars to fix what i messed up but <laughs> i'm not a regular person so that doesn't apply to me yeah it's just i don't know hopefully hopefully in the next year or so once the acquisition stuff starts to come to full fruition there starts to be some real improvement and like i hate the amount of money he's being offered but if the activision work culture could be fixed i'm happy about that for the sake of the employees and everybody who has had to suffer due to their horrific conditions that's our bobby news for the week i don't we don't have bobby news every <laughs> week and i don't like the implication that we do bobby's that important um I don't know. Do you have any? I, I don't know. That's that that kind of sums up my thoughts too. Is just like, it's just you hate hearing stuff like this, and 
Just Ickville. Icky. Very icky all around. But, but um, do you know what do you know what's not icky? What's not icky, Andrew? Dragon Age, my favorite game franchise that I mention on every week of the podcast. Uh I've been playing it for many years. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Dragon Age. You are a big Dragon Age fan. Um, yeah, my favorite game in the series is Inquisition. Okay, yeah. Is you that really correct? didn't. I mean, the truth is, you didn't have a lot to choose from, and also most of them are just. I mean, Origins. Yeah, it's the first one, and then the second one's just called Dragon Age Two. So you got kind of lucky there, but. So was that correct? That that's my favorite. The what? I'm sorry. Is it correct that Inquisition is my Andrew's sure. favorite game? Yeah. In the series. Sure. Yeah. It's not everybody's. Okay. It's not mine, but. I think oh, they all. Well, that's what I was asking. Oh, oh, oh! I was the fictional version. Oh, oh! oh I was okay. in an alternate universe where I am a Dragon Age fan. Yeah, you know, I'm a little slow on the joke today. Uh, my brain is melting, so you're just gonna <laughs> have to be a little. Give me a little bit of grace here. Okay, which one's um, your favorite? It's really hard for me. I love them all for very different reasons. I don't care. Which one's your favorite? I just love Origins. Okay, there you it's, go. It's just to its bones a role playing game. I love two for this for this. I love love the story of two. Um, I think it's so unique, and I love three for its sort of bombastic, grand fantasy. Um, and I like the story of three as well, though I feel like it sort of took some. It overcorrected from two in terms of criticisms, but it, I don't. I, that's not what we're talking about right now. Um, what are we talking about? There was a developer update from Bioware, the developers of Dragon Age. And in it, they're just sort of talking about where the game's at right now. Um, it's pretty much where I think most of us expected it to be. Um, not in pre-production, but not in post-production. It's kind of right smack in the middle. Um, there's also news Christian Daly's leaving the team, which is kind of a bummer. Um, there's been sort of a lot of management shifting. Um throughout this project which uh, a lot of people are a bit concerned about but mm, I I'm less concerned about just because I feel like the team that is there and that has consistently been there from the jump um, have has a lot more veterans Bioware veterans than we think um, I love the head writer I think they are great and the new um, game director is also great I follow her on Twitter um, I think that it, I, I think that a lot of the developers of Dragon Age who have jumped on in the past, you know, five or six years are really, really fans of the game. And I think that is more encouraging than anything else. While some people may look at this news and be a little bit nervous, I, I'm not feeling particularly nervous. I think this game has been in development for too long for me to be nervous. <laughs> I was nervous maybe <laughs> in 2016 when I thought maybe the game would come out in 2018, but uh, I'm not nervous anymore because I've been waiting a long time. So <laughs> because I'm not I, nervous because I'm tired. Yeah, I can't afford to be nervous or else my blood pressure will spike. And as me and Andrew have discussed before recording, um, I potentially have very high blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's the update. I think they also kind of gave an update on some of their other games. Um, Star Wars, the old, Repu the old Republic, their MMO got a little update. And then they also briefly 
talked about Mass Effect, which is in like pre pre production, but Mass Effect uh, Five or the next Mass Effect game, whatever you want to call it, it's in like pre pre production. So I think Dragon Age is their next big project, and it would be crazy if it wasn't because this game's been in development for like nine years now. So yeah, I'm very confused by the Bioware workflow. Yeah, it's, it seems kind of haphazard because they were releasing things pretty consistently, and then it just sort of stopped because what andromeda oh no i guess anthem was the last big one yeah and andromeda was like correctly. 2017 and i think anthem was right after that in 2018 yeah i think the yeah. issue was um and this has been reported on by for a long time and this is kind of an old story but the original and maybe i've talked about it but the original um development for dragon age 4 was it was designed to be a uh live service game um similar to anthem and for those who don't know anthem uh it's not a good game (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of a mess i might say and bioware just the dragon age series is sort of known for being a single player experience so um people were very upset about this and then like halfway through development of that uh, Jedi Fallen Order came out, which is a single player game, and it got a lot of it got a lot of good press and a lot of good reception. And then they decided they were like, you know what? I think we should just stick to our roots with Dragon Age. So they completely changed development, um, probably in like 2017, 2018. I want well, probably whenever Jedi Fallen Order came out. So actually, not that long ago, but I think that was 2018. But um. So I think that's part of the reason why this has been taking so long. I also think the pandemic slowed things down a lot. Yeah. I also think that Dragon Age 4, the nice thing about Andromeda was that it was sort of a separate, it wasn't sort of, it was a separate story from the original trilogy. So there wasn't a whole lot of choices that they had to accommodate. Basically, the only choice they ask you is what gender your Commander Shepard was at the beginning. And they kind of work from there. But with Dragon Age, each game is a direct sequel um, and there's a whole new slew of choices that you have to consider. So I think maybe it's just a really, really big undertaking and yeah. maybe one that has been through a lot of different directions in terms of like, this person used to be the game director, now this person's the game director, and now this person's the game director. I feel not so bad about this news, especially because I think this was pretty much predicted, and I think this game is coming out next year. Yeah, that seems. I feel like a holiday twenty three would make a lot of sense at this at this stage. Yeah. So. So that's my very long winded explanation of the news. <laughs> a far shorter thing to discuss is another adaptation of a video game into film. There was a confirmation of an anime series adaptation of Near Automata. This is uh, weird. This reminds me a lot of the Bioshock one we discussed, the Bioshock movie, because Bioshock is a game with a lot of commentary on player agency, and Nier Automata is a game with a lot of commentary on player agency, so turning it into a thing you view seems kind of weird, and also Automata specifically seems strange to me, because like this is a very wide-reaching series, and I feel like they could have just made something new that Yoko Taro wrote in the near universe as like 
a 12 episode series just to tell a new story in the in a similar universe but hey i'll I'll reserve my judgments we haven't seen it we don't know a release date all we know is that it is coming and we saw a illustrated picture of 2b so are you are you excited kelly how many near games are there three so there's two near games okay. there's near and near automata uh, technically, the first game was released as two different versions in Japan, but it's the same game, just with a different main character. And then, so, like, the, they re-released it on PS4 last year, and you played as the brother, who's, like, a young guy, versus the dad, who's a big guy. Okay. And old. But they're the same game. Okay. But also, the Guard series, which was on, like, PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3, is all canon to the Nier story. Oh. So, I think you could say five games... But they're all so separate that you can play any of them. Like, if you are interested in this series, just play Automata. Just get Automata. You don't need any other experience. That's my very heavy recommendation as somebody who has played Near Replicant and Near Automata. I think that usually when you hear, I don't know, in my opinion, I feel like hearing that it's going to be an animated series gives me more hope than um, a live action series. Because I feel like an animated series is a bit easier yes, to... Yes, 100%. Um, a bit easier to temper your expectations for. And it's easier because the characters aren't real people and you don't have to picture them in that way. Whereas with something like Bioshock, they put real people in those positions and then you're like, oh, it's not really, it's not really it what I imagined. Really, the, the whole game is so kind of haphazard and insane in a good way that a live action series would just look ridiculous, I think. Yeah. And also, like, 2B is kind of a stupid-looking character, and that's <laughs> fine in the context of the game, but if you made that a live-action person, it would look really ridiculous. Right. With the with the blindfold and the white but. hair and the butt. Oh. I was going to say the butt. I said it after you did. I get it. I mean, there's there's butts in that game <laughs> of, of all genders. Um, so you should play Nier Automata. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe watch the series. I feel like it's probably a long way off. So since we haven't even seen like a five second clip. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, you want to try that? Yeah. Do you need some help? <laughs> hey, you know what Nintendo's been up to? Nothing. They're spending some of that New Year's money, baby. <laughs> it's March. Oh, yeah, you're right. Still feels like January to me. <laughs> um, Nintendo has acquired SRD, a studio that has helped them in the past with like Mario and Zelda games, old, old games. Um, it's not a huge acquisition. It's not like huge, like Microsoft-ish, but um, it is an acquisition all the same. I mean, I think this is indicative of what they what their intention is in this acquisition game because Microsoft is like the biggest acquirer these days with PlayStation behind them. And the goal is basically like, let's buy this thing away from everybody else where this specifically feels more like Nintendo being like, all right, let's buy resources to help ourselves make better things like buying a massive studio to help with production on their own games is a really smart move because like if nintendo was like oh we bought 
we bought Capcom and now they're going to make Monster Hunter just for us or something. It'd be like, okay, well, you just bought the series. Whereas if you buy this, this SRD, the studio that can help you make Mario games and Zelda games, it, it kind of speeds up development and builds their brand instead of just buying other brands. That's how I see it. Okay. I hear you. Also, the fact that they didn't say how much they spent on it is just so strange because I'm like, I'm so used to seeing <laughs> how many billions were spent. And this very well may be under a billion. Yeah, I'm willing to bet it wasn't that much. Seven dollars. This piece of string. <laughs> uh, Nintendo might need a little bit of help, though, because they announced a new game. What, uh, what did they announce? Oh, correction. They announced two new games, technically. Uh, during a Pokemon Presents presentation... Nintendo unveiled, or Pokemon Company unveiled, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet coming to Nintendo Switch this holiday. This game seems to be following the formula of Legends Arceus in that it is an open world game of some sort. Open spaces, Pokemon wandering. I assume that means the catching mechanics from Arceus will be here. Um, but there were also a lot more towns, there were Pokemon centers, a lot more people. So this feels like a modern version of Arceus, because Arceus was set, obviously, in ancient times, whereas this is set in the current Pokemon universe. I am excited. I was so nervous going into this presentation of seeing, like, because I was like, well, they could show Gen, Gen 9, but I think it'll look bad if they do. <laughs> I was like, I don't think it's time. <clears throat> but seeing this, like, it's not perfect, you know, there's some weird frame rate stuff and the textures aren't perfect, but the lighting looks nice. The Pokemon models are really, they are just like an Arceus, really nice. A lot of the environments are like very well designed at the very least. And also the idea of playing like a mainline Pokemon game that has that Arceus gameplay loop gets me super excited. I loved Arceus so much and just playing it in a modern setting seems really cool. So what were your impressions seeing this trailer? I like the region so far. I think it's unique. Um, I like that they're doing, they're sort of leaning into doing some European, like um, X and Y was like Paris and, or I mean France and Paris in France. <laughs> Paris was there, but yeah. <laughs> and obviously eight, generation eight was supposed to be sort of like England, um, Great Britain, um, and now we have this, which is sort of supposed to be like Spain, I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, I really love the starters. I think they're really, really cute. Which one's your favorite? I don't remember their names. I love yes. the fire starter because he's like a little bell pepper. <laughs> he's a little bell pepper. He's so freaking cute. Alligator. And, I yeah, love and it. he's a crocodile. You know, I love alligators and crocodiles. They're like my third favorite animal. Um, His name is Fuecoco. Oh my god, I love him. And I loved the little cat and I loved the little duck. I think they're very yeah. cute starters and I am eagerly awaiting what their final typings will be. Which one are you going to pick? I'll probably pick I'll probably <laughs> pick Fuego Coco because I love fire starters, uh fire types. Um and I feel like they are increasingly rare in Pokémon games. Yeah. Um I'm a I'm big on Sprigatito. Yeah. Which is cute because it's gatito means kitten and like <laughs> sprig, like little plant sprig. 
oh my god, it's cute. And uh, then there's just Quaxley. And I'm like, yeah. that doesn't sound Spanish, but it's cute. I know, he looks like Donald Duck. They're all he really, looks really just cute. like Donald. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I, I don't. Okay, let me just be concise. I don't like the character designs of the the main the player characters. Yeah, they look no, very, they, they, very, very juvenile. Um, they look almost like uh, a more direct adaptation of what the anime tends to look like, but that doesn't translate a hundred percent to a three D game. Yeah. I suppose that there will definitely be customization options just because that's how Pokemon games are now. But I just don't, I don't know. I don't like the vibe. I don't like that vibe. I don't, I, the default I like, is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer Pokemon games and this is because I'm a 25 year old woman, but I prefer Pokemon games to have player characters that look a little bit more mature um, just because it feels a little less like dangerous to go out in the wild and, <laughs> Catch wild Pokemon and become the champion when you're not 11 years old. But <laughs> I guess I can't really tell that to Ash Ketchum. Yeah. The I will say child. that this coming out this holiday, there's like two wild implications. One is that Arceus just came out in January and they're releasing presumably 10 months later. They're going to release a new Pokemon game of probably larger scale and this looks pretty finished you know like when we saw sword and shield and when we saw even early legends arceus like it never looked quite done but this i think this looks the most polished of a pokemon game that we've seen in a very long time which gets me really excited because maybe they're taking some criticisms to heart the trees don't look ugly i mean they look kind of ugly but they don't look nearly as bad as they have in the past um and like the shot of like the little villa specifically got to me i'm like okay that looks highly polished really cool um so the combination of one having two pokemon games coming out this year and two nintendo switch lineup in 2022 is just disgusting right now like we have go ahead what do you want to say i was just gonna echo what you said it's it's pretty crazy it's sickening it makes me sick no, it's actually very exciting. We had Legends Arceus already. We have Kirby right around the corner. We have Fire Emblem Warriors. We have uh, Advance Wars Reboot. We have Nintendo Switch Sports. We have, uh, help me out, we have the soccer game, Mario yes, Strikers. I was just about to say, we don't have any Mario, but we have Mario Strikers. The only one we, we Mar don't really- Mario and Rabbids. That's true. The only one we don't really have is Zelda. We have Breath of the Wild too. Mm. I don't think- the I would more like to things see get more announced, it. yeah. It's funny because, like, I up until recently, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty confident about Breath of the Wild 2 in this year. Like, it's possible it could get pushed. And, like, it made sense logistically not to show it in that last direct. But now, as we find out, like, they announced a lot of things in that direct. Yeah. And it's you know, large. they announced those two games I just mentioned. They, mentioned, uh, they announced Xenoblade 3. So. This year, and now they have a new Pokemon, which is obviously like the number one game on Switch sales wise. This year is, I, I don't want to be mean to Zelda. I'm so excited. It was my number one most anticipated game. But honestly, if they just like wiped it off the map, I move it to next year, just to be clear, not cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> if they moved it to next year, it wouldn't even hurt that year this much. It, like this year's fine. Yeah. 
So, and, and that's kind of comforting to know that, like, okay, if even if it doesn't come out this year, we still have lots to play. That's cool. Right. But hopefully I'm, and if, and if I'm wrong, if we get everything I just mentioned, plus Xenoblade 3, plus Bayonetta 3, plus Splatoon 3, plus Pokemon, plus Breath of the Wild 2. Forget about it. It's over. Forget. Plus we have Mario Kart DLC. Like I forgot about is, that. That's only a couple weeks away. I'm on my way to Coconut Mall. You need anything? <laughs> I'm very excited. So, But that covers the news this week. Would you like to get into what we played? Uh, No, I didn't play anything. So bye. <laughs> Just kidding. I was So I was going to make a meme and sing our outro theme. But then all I could hear in my brain was the Coconut Mall theme. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't worried about copyright, I would end this episode with Coconut Mall. I wish I wish we could. I'm going to call Nintendo and see if they're okay with that. Yeah, they love when people use their music and put it online. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, there's one big game we played this week, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blast through real quick some other things I played. I played more of Cyberpunk, enjoying that quite a bit still. I played more Horizon, um, which was kind of hurt by the fact that I have played Elden Ring, and Elden Ring is an, a remarkable and important third-person game that has a lot of revolutionary things, and Horizon is just good. And it's like a similar formula, but less good in a lot of ways, Oof. and also so easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also played Tricky Towers. Not a lot <gasps> to say about this one. Game it's like a year. Tetris yeah, I mean, I think it came out a couple years ago, but okay, it's like a Tetris clone, but like with physics and like not as many barriers and multiplayer. That's very fun. Um, I played the multiplayer and had a great time, but there's not a lot of replay value. I didn't want to play online because I tried and it took like it wouldn't put me in a game. So nobody's playing it and the challenges are fine, but it's a very fun, quick local multiplayer game if you can get like two to four people together. Um, so if you have that circumstance and you all like kind of puzzle games that are fast paced, look into this one. I also started the Cuphead show on Netflix. Uh, it's good. It's good. It looks better than the trailers made it seem visually. Um, it's a little juvenile for me, but I think it has an audience. I'm not a big fan of cartoons specifically, so I'm not the person to ask about this. But it at least has a lot of cute Cuphead references. And also, this is news, it just got renewed for season two today. So if you end up watching it and liking it, you have more coming to you. Uh, and then one more thing I played this week, an incredibly dark, difficult game. One of the most anticipated games of 2022. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about easy modes and like if accessibility needs to be bigger for games and this game is leading the charge on that discussion front and that is Kirby in the Forgotten Land. And I'll see <laughs> uh no in all seriousness, I did play the Kirby demo. They released it today or yesterday at time of listening. Um so if you have a switch and you're interested in Kirby, go check this out. It's a couple levels plus a boss, so it's kind of gives you a taste of if you're gonna like the game. Uh he's cute. Kirby's cute. The world is pretty. The world is very pretty. The graphics are very nice. Uh, the frame rate isn't quite as high as I hoped, but it is stable and locked, so I kind of stopped noticing. 
Uh, the co-op, I played a little bit of co-op in this demo. It's not crazy. Player 2 has very few options. The camera is in control of player 1 and also focused on player 1 at all times. Uh, but it's a nice little addition, kind of like a Tails for Sonic mode, you know? Somebody who's, like, low risk. And, like, if they walk off camera, the game just pulls them back on camera. But an option, nonetheless. And then my biggest takeaway from this demo, because it's not super long, um, is that Kirby is fast. That was my biggest concern going into this game as a 3D platformer, is that Kirby would feel too slow. Because in Star Allies especially, and a few other of his 2D outings, Kirby moves pretty darn slow. And that kind of brings the pace down. But it works in that 2D, low-stakes low environment. But here, he is super quick, and it feels fantastic, and I'm so excited. It was just fun to, like, collect everything. It's not open world. It's more so just, like, large open levels. Uh, but it is linear, and I think that benefits it. It keeps you focused, and I'm excited to, to play more in a few weeks here. This demo was a huge, a huge, uh, what's the word? It made me way more excited than I already was, and this game was on my my list of top games of the year so exciting stuff nice so and kirby was cute yeah and it's easy just to be clear it's very easy <laughs> i played on the hard it comes with a hard mode which really made me excited i'm like ooh, it's, it wasn't hard i mean it, it was early levels but i'm thinking everything's hard. gonna feel easy for you for a little while i guess so <laughs> um do you want to tell us why everything's going to feel easy for a little while? Yeah. So the craziest thing happened last week. Um, this little game called Elden Ring came out on the 25th. Tiny. And a school game. Just a little game. And me and Andrew have both been playing. I have only sunk like two hours into it because I, was, uh, ab I wasn't abroad. I was away. Um, <laughs> not, I guess I was kind of abroad, but not like abroad abroad. Um. Do you want to say abroad one more time? Abroad. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, Elden Ring, as we know, huge, huge, huge from software game. Probably the most anticipated game of 2022 for a lot of people, myself included. I'd say more than more than any other game, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Um, Andrew, I don't know if you want to just get right into it or if you want me to start or just... Let's ju you know what? Let's just spitball back and forth at each other. I have a bunch of notes here. Mm -hmm. that I kind of want to like cover but this is a fun game to just discuss you know right right let's just right off the bat just in case anybody is like super spoiler sensitive and doesn't want to know like anything but they're curious of our opinions I think it's a good idea right off the bat do you recommend this game Kelly yes well okay. let me add a caveat <laughs> asterisk I think a lot of people were anticipating this game um because of the hype and I yeah. think a lot of people who have never played FromSoft games um, maybe don't quite get what they are. <laughs> um, so I think if you want to challenge yourself and you want to enjoy, like really immerse yourself in the world, I really think I would recommend it. But if you prefer video games to be more relaxing or um not as much of a challenge i maybe wouldn't recommend it i would still say hey try and play a little bit but 
I think you would just get really, really mad. Yes, it is not friendly. I I will say, because I'm not a huge Souls fan, I've played Demon Souls, I've played Bloodborne, um, and I've dabbled with Sekiro, but none of those games have I finished. I've always bounced off at a certain point. Even I got very far in Demon Souls specifically, and it still it pushed me off at a certain point because the frustration became no longer like satisfying. It's not like I was overcoming something. It was just like it was preventing me from exploring and enjoying the content. Um, this game doesn't have that problem. I think if you have liked Souls games in principle but bounced off in the past, this is a good opportunity to come back. There is a lot of ways to make the game easier without making it easy by any stretch. Um, there's a lot of things you can just, if you're feeling frustrated, just leave, you know? Step away from what you're working on in the game and go do something else. There's so much to do. Uh, I have 23 hours. I don't want to, I'll say that really quiet because that's a lot of hours Ooh. considering it's been a week. Uh, I... Again, this is kind of the spoiler-free. None of it's going to be spoilery, but this is like the the setup. I liked this game quite a bit for like 12 to 15 hours. And then I don't know what it was, but it clicked. It just snapped into place and it turned from liking it to adoring it. So that's another thing to keep in mind is if you're kind of enjoying it and don't get the hype. Because that's what I was kind of feeling. I was like, huh, this is the best reviewed game of the past like five years I don't get it. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. So persevere. It's worth it. So that's the the surface level thoughts. Yeah. I think this, um, I think Elden Ring is the most forgiving of all the Souls games I've ever played. The uh, respawn points are really, really close to the bosses. Um, yes. So there's it's no wonderful. tedious boss runs that you have to go through like every time you die to a boss. Which might I also add that people who play these games and maybe this is their first from soft game or souls like game, um, they might not have an understanding of the way that death works in these games. For the most part, you're going to be dying a lot, and it's not saying that's not like um, a mark against you or your abilities. I think dying is really a part of the process in these Absolutely. games. It helps you be a better player. It helps you understand more. I will say some like cheap deaths like, oh, my God, I stepped in a room and a boulder crushed me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. You know, like it's funny. Yeah. Um, it's not like it happens frequently enough or impedes progress. Right. So it's it's just kind of you got to accept death as part of the game. Yeah. Honestly, I think once you go into it with that mindset of like, I'm going to die a bunch in this game and that's OK, you'll probably have a lot more fun. Um, always Absolutely. expecting to like live and survive and be like the best you can possibly be at every possible boss is like you're just setting yourself up for disappointment and rage. And uh, that's not that's not not saying that's not the point of these games, but it's like the the ro it's so, so rewarding when you've been working on a boss for however long and you're like, please, please. I'm like you start learning their moves really well how many times they can hit you in a certain like animation and then you kill them and it's like, oh my God, it's like the best feeling ever. I, you can't, you can't describe it, you know? It's really good. And it's, it's like a lot of time investment and a lot of thought involved. One tip I'll give if you're playing this game, be patient. 
when you enter, like, let's just say a boss has, like, you know you can kill them in, like, three hits. And you're like, okay, I've been slow this whole time, but I just gotta, I just gotta whack them three times and they're dead. Don't. Maintain your pace. Be patient. Be ready to dodge and block anytime you have to, because otherwise you're gonna, it's gonna become frustrating. All of the challenges in this game are super fair. Um, they don't ever throw something at you that you are incapable of surmounting, unless you literally go straight from the opening area to like end game territory. Um, they're not going to throw something at you that's absurdly out of reach. You just have to take a step back, take stock, understand what is in front of you. Big thing, learn animations. You know, that's the thing about bosses. Like you, no matter how good you are, it is extremely difficult to finish a boss on your first go. You could be the best Souls player in the world. If you've never seen a boss and you're fighting them, the odds of you winning are slim because you have to learn their animations. You have to understand what they're going to throw at you so you're ready to combat that. And it's super satisfying. You just have to be patient. Enjoy it. Enjoy feeling yourself get better. That's the big thing. Even in past Souls games, it hasn't been as pronounced. I can feel myself improving mechanically. I enter fights, and like bosses still take a while, but I enter fights with like this base knowledge that this game has taught me inherently. So I'm able to succeed way more frequently. Like there's some mini bosses in the open world, and they're really cool and interesting. And they're like difficult. They're not as difficult as the main bosses that have cutscene intros. But because of how much it has taught me, I'm often able to take these bosses out first or second try. Whereas at the beginning of the game, ironically, it tosses a, a mini boss at you the second you step into the open world. And it's, it just destroyed me. And I was like, oh, I'm just doing it wrong. I just got to learn. And like, I just could not beat him. I could hardly do any damage. So I just was like, all right, I'll just walk around him. And that's what the game wants you to do. It doesn't want you to beat this boss right after you step out. And then I went back like 15 hours later with like slightly better equipment and a lot better knowledge. And all of a sudden I beat this boss and I felt great about it because I taught myself how to do that through playing the game. Yes. And like, I feel a little pretentious saying it, but hey, no. everybody who plays this game is a little pretentious. Yeah. I mean, I feel <laughs> like you kind of give yourself bragging rights because it's like I stuck it out, you know? Yeah. Um. And like, it's worth it's worth it. I highly recommend that part. Yeah. And I think there's been a lot of discourse around the difficulty of this game already, so I don't want to like focus on it too much. Um, well, what are your opinions on it? I want to know yours. On the game or the difficulty stuff? The difficulty discussion in general. I think it's reasonable to want games to be more accessible, and I think that there's nothing wrong with wanting accessibility in games. Yeah. Um, so I have no qualms with that. I uh, I enjoy it for what it is. But I also don't have, like, I don't have anything that would impede or make things more difficult for me as a, as a player. Um, yeah. And I'm privileged in that position. So, I, you know, I, there's only so much that I can say. I do really enjoy the, um, the challenge, like we've been talking about. And I think that more people could enjoy that if they really gave themselves the chance to. Um, but I think some people are just so turned away from like this is the hardest game you'll ever play i think they're so turned away from that because of that type of rhetoric that it can be really hard to win them back 
Yeah. But it's 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 like I want to show I want these people I want everybody to see like the designs of these of the bosses of the of the world of the feeling of it. I'm yeah. like I'm so in love with the open world. It's it's so it's so beautiful and and the one thing I really really like I love the sound design. It's like it's so crisp. Like it's a very very windy open world and just like hearing the wind rustle through the grass, it like makes me feel nostalgic. It makes it's me nice, feel nostalgic. It's very I, nice. I don't know why, because it's like, have I ever heard wind rustling through the grass like that? Probably not. But it's like, it's just, it's such a nice crisp sound. And the sound design is really good. Enemy design, as always, killed it. Knocked it out of the park. Boss design, oh, crazy. Boss design. Absolutely nuts. I fought two bosses. Um, The one... I don't know if we want to get that deep into it, but the one was like a, it's called a watchdog. It looks like a cat. Weirdest, weirdest enemy. Just like a big stone cat that just like, doom, doom, tries to hit me with his sword. <laughs> when he's like wearing a cape and I'm like, what is this? And then, you know, an early boss that you encounter in the game, probably the first boss that a lot Most of people, people encounter. Yeah. Um, Just horribly grotesque face. But just like, crazy design and, and their animations are very unique to each one i don't know it's just a very very well designed game yes i think my word that i use for the design feel of this game and like the visual design is inspired because everything you see feels deliberate it feels crafted you know it doesn't feel like they went into a bunch of assets and like they're like okay here's some grass here's some trees boom you have an open world it feels like they actually took a true amount of time and looked at every detail and tried to fit it into this world and it's it shows it is gorgeous the open world is a really special one it the comparisons to breath of the wild that i've heard are fair because the biggest thing about this game is like it doesn't just throw waypoints in your face like a lot of open world games you don't open the map and it's like here's 500 things you can do. You just open the map and it's a piece of paper and it's like, okay, you can tell what the terrain looks like kind of from the map and that's it. So it's mostly just looking around and seeing what looks interesting in the distance and going to it. Yeah. And, I and it doesn't have like the climbing mechanics of that game, but it still feels very open to explore. Yeah. I think having the mount system makes this, it could have really been a, a hindrance to this game but the mount is so good that it's like oh it's perfect so you get a mount at some point in this game this was all in all the trailers and stuff the mount it's on the, it's on the case right i think I, if it's on the game case you're allowed I to spoil don't think it it is it's on the back at oh least. yeah you're right you're right it's on the back he can, he can double jump <laughs> what are you kidding me and he controls really well now I've never really been a fan of uh, mounted combat in any game. I feel like it's very clunky because usually mounts in games are clunky anyways, and you add that extra layer of clunkiness. I didn't really feel that way. I still prefer fighting on foot, but I think they've designed it well enough that it's like you can do it consistently and effectively. Yeah, it's an option, but it's not a replacement. Right. There are definitely times in the open world where I'm on my horse and like an enemy's coming at me and like technically I could stay on the horse, but I'm like, this was, this is just not going to be nearly as fun mm -hmm. or engaging 
as if I get on my two feet and fight it. Yeah. But then sometimes I'll be running and there's like enemies that I can kill in one or two hits. And I'm like, I'm just going to whack them from my horseback. <laughs> yeah. I think there's like to kind of roll back to the the difficulty discussion. I think while I do think there needs to be more accessibility options in many games, like that's the thing about this game. The accessibility options are kind of limited. You can remap controllers, but there's no pause button. Which I understand the rationale behind no pause button. It's like, well, you can't just pause a boss fight and take a breath. But I'm like, but I think some people are, I think people should be allowed to pause and take a breath. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair to ask of a developer. Um, And like, there's just no accessibility options beyond remapping. But they do a lot to make it easier if you want to. The health potion system is really intelligently designed, in my opinion. In this game, you have flasks that every time you die, they restore. And you can change by finding things in the open world how much is in your flask. So you have flasks that restore your health and flasks that restore your magic points. And every time you die or go back to like a point of grace, which is the equivalent of a bonfire in this game, they restore. And I think the fact that you can take the time to explore the open world and find resources to increase your charge on that is really smart that was one of my biggest problems with bloodborne is like i was very stupid and bad at the game and the first boss just kept beating me up so bad and i was using so many health potions that i ran out Hmm. and then i had to spend time grinding for health potions and that's not fun like just to grind to try the boss again having a system that you can earn more but you are guaranteed a some amount, I think makes it a lot more accessible. And there's a lot of things like that. You can go around the world and find better weapons, find better armor, find new spells. There's so many options that you can take. And yes, it's still difficult. It's always going to be difficult, but you can kind of cater the experience, find things that make it more fun for you, find things that make the bosses feel more manageable. And there's also things like, summons you can there's two versions of that there's the summoning of like spirits in the game which are like the first one that you get is three wolves and then you can get a bunch of other ones like a sorcerer or like a man with a sword and you can summon those using some of your magic points and that's a really good way to make boss fights more manageable because one you have somebody slightly helping with damage but also to distract the boss sometimes so oh i need to heal Good thing he's killing my wolf friend so I can survive. Sorry, wolf friend. (laughs) And then there's also multiplayer. You can summon in players from other games and they come in and help you when they're real players. And there's no shame in that. That's they they put that mechanic in there. (laughs) I I know that it feels like it definitely feels this way for me. Like I'm not supposed to do it. Like that's like the easy way out. And that's not what the developers want me to do. But that's crazy. The developers put it in. That's what they want me to do. Mm -hmm. The first boss fight was really giving me trouble. And then there was a summoning sign next to it to bring in somebody to help me. And to be fair, this one was an NPC to teach me how that works. But I did it. And after a few tries, I was able to conquer the boss. And yes, I had help. But who cares? (laughs) Right. Like who, no, nobody's going to judge me but me. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of actually I shouldn't say that. I will. There are a judge lot of you. people that <laughs> there's a lot of people that would tell you you're wrong. 
but I'm going to tell you, audience member who's thinking about this, you're correct. Play how you want to play. It is a game of choice. Speaking of choice, what did you pick for your class? The Vagabond. Oh, okay, okay. I rolled Astrologer. Ooh. So Astrologer's like a magic user. Um, I don't really... I think magic in the Souls series is not that great, in my opinion. Um, it feels a lot more substantial in this game. So Yeah, I like it. I also enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I picked Astrologer. It's been fun. I feel very squishy, but you know what? That's okay because I don't have to be squishy. Keep your distance. And I am not maidenless. I have maidens, okay? I have one maiden. <laughs> she's uh, she's kind of freaky, though. Yeah, she's a little freaky. She's like, cool, though. I don't like the way she looks at me. Well, don't look at her. Okay, fair. Oh, another big tip. If this is your first Souls game, there is a dungeon, a secret dungeon, which I think is a little stupid, but there's a secret dungeon right at the beginning of the game <laughs> that is a tutorial on how the game works. I personally assumed, because I had heard about the tutorial dungeon, I thought it would be like right in front of me. It's not. It's a secret. So <laughs> if you're going to play this game and you've never played a Souls game, or maybe it's been a long time, Google where that dungeon is so that you can get right in on that. Um, I didn't suffer greatly by not playing it, but I thought I was going to just find it. And it probably would have helped with some of the early struggles. Yeah. Because, like I said, I played a lot of Demon Souls last year, but that didn't completely translate into this game. Yeah. Especially because the dodge system feels a lot more snappy in this game. Yeah. I uh, I did not do the tutorial. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was I like, oh, either. maybe this is like a, this is like a end game thing where you have to come back later with an item, but nope. nope. The tutorial. <laughs> yeah. Just somebody's like, oh, jump over there, and I'm like, oh. Just walk away. I was, con I mean, I probably could have figured it out, but geez. Um, this is just, it's a really remarkable game. I, my only problem with it is that it came out at a time where it's going to make a lot of other games look bad. <laughs> I think, I mean, the big one I said was Horizon. I jumped, I tried to, because I'm trying to juggle all these games that I'm playing right now so that I can finish reviews and stuff. And Cyberpunk was pretty easy to hop back into because they're so mechanically different. Um, and Cyberpunk's a story game, and this is not a story game. There is story to this, but it's don't expect a lot of cutscenes or a lot of story content. It's mostly just gameplay with some like item descriptions that contain world building. But I played Horizon, and it felt honestly pretty bad in comparison. So this game's probably going to make a lot of other games look pretty iffy in comparison for a while. Getting a game this good at the start of a year is, it's weird. Yeah. This feels like so similar to, to five years ago to the day when Breath of the Wild came out and then just dominated discussion of video games for a full year after. <laughs> And now one or five years after that, that exact thing is happening. Yeah. And also Horizon came out a week before Breath of the Wild, and now it came out a week before Elden Ring. So those games do not have good release timing. No. I'm so... 
and I'm excited by this game, which is something I haven't felt in a while. I think that's where it distinguishes itself from like an eight out of ten open world. You know, yeah. This becomes this has become something special. I, when I'm not playing, I think about where I'm gonna go next when I go back to play. Yeah, me too. And that's incredible. I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, and also don't be afraid to try to jank yourself out of like. If it looks like a wall is somewhat scalable on your horse and you're like, well, I'm probably not supposed to be over there. Yeah, you're probably not. Go try anyway. (laughs) I got into a late game area really early (laughs) and it was horrible. I was getting killed by everybody. So I was like, you know what? I just got to get on my horse and just run. (laughs) And I did. I explored this big open space and it was fun. And yeah, I didn't kill anything because it was terrifying. And there was an enemy that looked like Scrappy-Doo from the end of the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. And I didn't like it. But I fled. Scrappy. He's so scary. It was was really scary. At the same time, I wanted to post it and be like as a meme. But then I was like, oh, this is late game. And it's a little bit of a spoiler to say that, but not really. But posting it would have been. Yeah. So I didn't. Well... Do you have any more thoughts on Elden Ring? No, I think we covered basically everything I wanted to talk about. I, you know, like I said, I'm only like two hours into it, so I'm sure I'll have it a more robust. It is fascinating how similar our thoughts were, considering I have eleven times more playtime. Yeah, like, the game kind of shows its cards early, and then you just enjoy those cards, right? But I'm sure I'll I have expect a... you to have played twenty three hours by next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'll have a more robust profile of the game next week I think next week is just going to be this episode again some different news and Elden Ring talk yeah probably maybe we'll see how far you are at some point I think we should do like a little spoiler chat yeah that'd be fun discussion of the spoilers not spoilers specifically because there's not a lot of story but just talking about bosses and moments we liked that some will consider spoilers yeah I'm in let's do it not now. Not now. Don't worry, audience. You're good. <laughs> um, apologies to some of our most avid listeners. This is a Friday release instead of a Tuesday release. Somebody uh, got sick. Somebody caught the Elden Ring fever. Somebody whose first name is Kelly got sick. <laughs> of an actual illness, not the Elden Ring fever, just to be clear. Yeah, unfortunately. I had the Elden Ring fever <laughs> and Kelly had a 101 fever. <laughs> so we delayed this episode. We're going to do Friday next week as well because I'll be away the week after that. And we decided that's a good way to kind of still give you your talking games content without having to having to do something weird or lose an episode. So seven days for another one. We'll probably be back talking about a a certain Elden Ring again, (laughs) and then probably the one after that, (laughs) and then probably the one after that. This is going to become talking Elden Ring with Kelly and Andrew for like (laughs) a month. Probably. And then Kirby will come out. Mm -hmm. Same game, though. Yeah. Kirby and Elden Ring, very similar. Kirby's tarnished. Kirby is tarnished. (laughs) He has maidens. (laughs) Kirby does have maidens. Kirby got lots of maidens, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay, I got to be done. I don't (laughs) want to keep going after saying that. We'll we'll redact that from the record. 
Nah, it's already here. Thank you, everybody, for listening, though. Thank you for enduring whatever I just said. Thanks, listeners, (laughs) for your patience with my illness. Should we say sorry? No, I said thanks. I know. I'm going to say sorry. Oh. (laughs) Because of what I said and because of you being being sick. Yeah. I'm sorry that Kelly has such a weak immune system. (laughs) Kelly doesn't have COVID, just to be clear. No. No. No worries. Well, you can worry a little, but she's okay. It's just a regular cold. So. Yeah. And don't worry, you didn't have to listen to coughing all episode. Just me. <laughs> That's the magic of editing. I will edit out every cough. <laughs> <laughs> if it sounded like that, I'd leave them in. <laughs> <laughs> no, they did not sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.